Money FM 89.3, Best of Weekends. Professor Benjamin Horton is the director of the Earth Observatory in Singapore on the campus of Nanyang Technological University. Uh, he and his group are just releasing Climate Impact Asia, which is a four part documentary series. Uh, produced by the Earth Observatory Singapore to look at how important the work is that some scientific leaders are doing to mitigate challenges from climate change uh, as it is going to be affecting us over the coming decade. Ben Horton is joining us, director of the Earth Observatory of Singapore. Ben, thanks uh, for being on with us. Tell us about your new series, Climate Impact Asia. Well, good morning. Morning, Glenn, and morning, everyone. So this evening, we have a four-part documentary series um, being shown for the first time in Southeast Asia on the Curiosity Stream and also on Channel 422 on the Starhub Network. So this documentary is part of well, really one of the aims and objectives of the Observatory of Singapore, which is to take our fundamental science on climate change and communicate that to the general public to try and show the severity of climate change and in particular the impacts in Southeast Asia. The, the unique aspect of this series is it directly involves scientists. So there are four and each one is led by a different side of Singapore. And then secondly, it's centered on Southeast Asia. There have been many, many very impactful climate change documentaries, but there haven't been any that look at the specific impacts in this region. And what are those, uh, what are those impacts looking like? What are the most important ones that we are facing? Well, we have uh, three episodes that look at sea level rise. Obviously, that's of a great concern here in Singapore, but also in Southeast Asia. So you could Indonesia, Indonesia has 16,000 islands. So there are huge stretches of coastline here in Southeast Asia that are subject to increasing ocean levels due to climate change. The second one is to look at extreme events. So we've seen through climate change that there's an increased incident of extreme events such as wildfires that we've seen prior to the pandemic in Australia, we see it in California, we see it in many areas of the Amazon now. But in this episode, we look at the extreme event of tropical cyclones, because with climate change, we have more energy to grow larger and larger because our ocean temperatures are increasing. So we look at the what we know about tropical cyclones and, and their landfalling destruction. The third episode is to look at uh, food security. So um, looking at the impacts of climate change on food avail availability, um, the access to food and also food quality. And then also tries to say that, well, yes, climate change is the big threat here in the 21st century in Southeast Asia, but we live within what's called the Southeast Asia Ring of Fire. There are many other natural um, hazards that could form into disasters relating to earthquakes and volcanoes. And that the earthquakes and volcanoes has been a centerpiece of the Earth Observatory of Singapore. So we talk in that episode to do with the many active tectonic faults and the many active volcanoes that surround Singapore and threaten populations in South and Southeast Asia. But what brings it all together, well, in here in Southeast 
Asia, you know, what, what we have, we have a, the greatest concentration of geohazards and climate change coupled with some of the highest population densities on Earth. So natural hazards can quite quickly become disasters, as we've seen over the last decade or so. Yeah, talking with uh, Ben Horton, who is the head of the Earth Observatory here in, in Singapore on the campus of Nanyang Technological University. Ben, we've, we've had you on the show before, and every time you come on, we, we, we learn something new of the state of, of the planet that we're in. Uh, as you mentioned, of course, sea level rise is of, of great concern to many Asian nations, including Singapore. As you take us through this journey on this four-part documentary, Climate Impact Asia, that starts tonight, where, where, are the, where are the moments that we as individuals can pitch in to try to do better, uh, the hopeful moments where we can maybe come together and be part of a solution? I think the point of this documentary is, well, to try and educate, make people change their consumptions and lifestyles. I think that's a key. The community have seen uh, the threat of climate change for 40 years now. Reports that came out, the first ever sea level rise assessment, for example, came out in 1982. And the projections made there, yes, we have greater certainty on the processes. Yes, we can look at how they vary low, but really we've known about the threats. Intergovernmental panel on climate change sat in 1990. And so it sort of shows my age, but when I was at college, mm. I was told about the threat of climate change. But, what, but the difference was when I was at college, it was a time of great sort of solidarity that we heard from all leaders and in power at that time, or during this initial climate crisis was Margaret Thatcher and George Bush, conservative Republican leaders who said that climate change was a problem, you solve it, and you had the Kyoto Protocol. But now there have been you know, 30 or 40 years of scientific reports basically just proving what the models projected in the 1990s. We've had a change in our attitude, but actually policies that's what we really need to decide upon and so it's all about communication now it's about because we're going to produce more scientific reports as, you know when we think about how you adapt let's say coastlines you need to do the science first so you don't waste taxpayers money but really it's about communication so we have a general public that's willing to act on this that it's highest on their agenda so you know, we have this opportunity right now. It's a terrible opportunity because of the COVID pandemic, COVID pandemic, and it's going to say, well, how do we want this economic recovery to take place? Do we want a green economic recovery? Are the dollars that are going to be spent to re-economy, are they going to be linked to a sustainable practice? We have this yeah. opportunity. And I, you know, the pandemic is terrible. It affects everybody from severe to other in legacy that we could, for those for the people affected that we can come out of this pandemic and have a better world to live in because i'm hoping that the pandemic makes people realize what the natural world is we know where this pandemic came from but the ultimate causes is a loss of biodiversity and, and the fact that over hundred or so years we've been exploiting the planet for our own gain and we need to basically think about sustainability and sustainability means that you're leaving the earth in the same state for your children and your grandchildren. 
Why, Ben, why is it uh, why is it an ongoing discussion? We're speaking with uh, Professor Benjamin Horton of the Earth Observatory Singapore. Why is it an ongoing debate that this is not a problem that either A, we need to really take seriously because it's these things have these changes have happened over millennia and this is just the latest cycle, or B, the costs are just too great. And, and that seems to be an economic discussion oftentimes. We we can't afford to to cut back on fossil fuels or whatever because it's the cheapest form of energy, etc. Why are we still having these discussions when it seems to me the science is actually is solid that these changes are happening and we could actually do something to at least stem the tide or to, to roll back some of these changes. Why are we still having this discussion? Well, there are many reasons for that. You can have people who have special interests, particularly in positions of power, um, that want to maintain the status of shareholders. However, I mean, my and it goes back to the point of this documentary, that it's about education. Um, if you clearly communicate and people are willing to take action, then things can change. We already see that the young climate change is one of the most important topics for their future. Understandably, they're going to have to live through this. Mm. But we need what 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 needs to happen now is our society, mine and your age group, Glenn, we, we need to give the young people time to find the technological solutions to solve this problem. Some humans will solve it, but we need to give them breathing room to find the solutions to adapt and also mitigate our world. So there's two things. With everything to do with climate change, yes, you need a changing threats, but you need to mitigate to reduce the problem. And that's what, uh, what I've, I've always I've been disappointed in, in, in many of, of the recent elections. Singapore, we, did, we had an election not too long ago. Was climate change ever discussed in that election? And the simple answer of that is no. The US election, obviously, there are so many uncertainties with the US election right now because we've got COVID, we had the horrendous Black Lives Matter and the uncertainty in the US to do with that. But climate change, again, is should be front line and centre in the presidential debates. If you could try and get a, any topic of, of net into those presidential debates, but it should be front line and centre in the media because there's a clear distinction between the Republicans and the Democrats on climate change. Mm. So the Democrats have the Green New Deal. The Democrats will keep to Donald Trump and the Republicans won't. It's a complete. And so, you know, we have some elements that are about decision makers, which are great. You know, if we look at the European Union, they are our guiding light right now on climate change because we're going to recovery from um, the pandemic. What is it? Over 40 percent of the dollars that are supposed to be invested have to go into green recovery in the United Kingdom, e even though they are in turmoil, Brexit and the pandemic. There have been some very good signs there where, you know, Boris Johnson said that over the next decade or so, so all houses will be powered by renewal, in particular wind power. So there are beacons of light, but we have to we have to link that um, having a sustainable economy is not having economy. 
uh, is economic growth with sustainability. I think it's a fallacy that you are going to be impacted by your economy. I mean, again, we can all, the, the, the pandemic gives very little. So if someone said to you that, well, if you took more care of your nat not to reduce the biodiversity, to not put um, humans and uh, wildlife in close proximity, we wouldn't have a pandemic that's cost trillions of dollars. What do you think the decision would have been? We would have had better practices in Pratisha and yeah. we wouldn't have this pandemic. Yeah. Uh, the, the prime or a few weeks ago talked about virus X. So when we come out of the pandemic, we need to better prepare for virus X. I know what virus X is, it's climate change. Just this week, scientists in Australia have calculated for the first time that the amount of, of microplastics in the deep ocean is something like 14 million tons of, uh, an estimated 14 million tons of microplastics on the ocean floor right now. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, for all the obvious reasons, a very shocking and troubling report based on what happens in the food chain as those animals eat and then get eaten by bigger animals that we eventually eat as well. Uh, when you saw that study come out, what was your what was your first thought? Well, I think there's two things that you can think about. One, you can think about, well, that's a f an unbelievable piece of scientific information. One of the aspects of climate change or environmental problems is we now know the problem. Previous generations did not. So, you know, if, hey, if we were on the show last weekend and one of your listeners said, well, you know, how much plastic is on the bottom of the ocean floor? You'd go, well, I don't know. And then if you'd say, well, we don't know whether it's a problem. We now know that there's a colossal amount of it. We know it's a problem and we know what the solutions are. But the other thing that I'm, I'm always interested in, in, in talking about is that, you know, we, regarding climate change or environmental change, you have to realize that petroleum products are fantastic for people, for society. It's brought so many people out of poverty. Plastics, you know, they're packaging, you know, it helps some preserves it reduces weight so in actual fact it's it, it it saves fuel and reduces greenhouse gas emissions you know plastics from computers to cell phones to telephones to microwaves i mean they're all made out of plastic because it's durable lightweight and it's affordable we're not going to be able to have a world without plastics so it's really well, well what are the solutions there well you know Singapore does this it does the three R's it's reduce reuse and recycle and therefore you have the potential to minimize the waste mm. and then you need to think about how to have a circular economy where we're, again we're not thinking about profit and exploiting the earth you think about giving something Back. Yeah, and and it is time we we all need to give something back or take something away. Actually, take some trash away with us, uh, or, or better yet, just not mm -hmm. make the trash in the first place uh, would probably be the the solution. Ben, we're looking forward to seeing this Climate Impact Asia four part part documentary starting tonight, uh, Channel four twenty two on Starhub or the uh, I believe it is called the Curiosity Stream on Starhub. We're, mm -hmm. we're excited mm -hmm. to see it and, and hope to have you back to talk about it in the future. Okay. Thank you very much, Glenn. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.